Turn with me in the scripture this evening to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. We're still having our week of increase. Can anybody take some more increase? Oh, yeah. Matthew 6 has been our main text for our week of increase this week. And he said in Matthew 6 and verse 31, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is that increase? If all these things were added to you, that's increase. Right? And people, you know, not just Christians, he said the Gentiles are seeking after all these things. Virtually everybody you meet, Christian, non-Christian, other religion, they're wanting to get them a place to live and get it paid for. They're wanting to get clothes and food for their kids and they're wanting to get their necessities of life and better things of life and their desires, right? People are trying, they're working after these things and people want to act like, oh, I don't like to hear people talk about money in church. I don't like to hear people talk about money. It ain't important. Money's not important. Yeah, but that's what they spent most of their week doing was trying to get some, right? It's hypocrisy. Well, he tells us that we are not to take anxious thought about getting this stuff. We are not to bother our little heads. About it. We are not to be in fear. That we're not going to have it. We're not supposed to be in fear. That we're going to run out. We're not supposed to take thought. Be concerned. And we're not supposed to seek after it. Like the world does. Right? They get up early. They stay up late. They're trying to scheme. They're trying to figure how to climb their way up the corporate ladder. How to get ahead of this one. How to get past this one. How to get this uh, customer before somebody else does and how to sell this and meet this quota before somebody else does. They are seeking after the money, the success, their promotion. They think about it night and day. And for millions of people, it is their God. They wouldn't say it, but it's what they serve. When, you know, whatever you spend most of your time thinking about and working for, That's your God. That's your Lord, whether you want to say so or not. Hmm? And he said, the Gentiles, the world is seeking after all these things. They're thinking, boy, if I could just get this position, if I can get that job and get that salary and get that increase and get that office and get that house over there and get that place, I'll have it made, make enough money, I can retire early. Hmm? And I can fish all day, or I can go skiing, I can, I can go travel the world, and I'll have it made. But you won't have it made. I said, you won't have it made. All the fishing, and skiing, and traveling, and cars, and houses, and in the world will not satisfy your spirit. Cannot. 
Because you were made for something else. God just gave us these things to enjoy. Not to serve. Hmm? Money is a good servant. A poor God. Everybody said out loud, money is my servant. Not my God. I don't serve money. Money serves me. That was worth you coming tonight, right? Hmm? Don't seek after these things. So what? If we're not going to be thinking about how we're going to make a living, how we're going to get our money, and how we're going to pay our bills, if we're not thinking about that, what are we going to be thinking about? But seek ye. You seek. The world's seeking after this. You don't do that. You seek first the kingdom of God and his right ways and right things. And when you do, all what things? All the things the Gentiles are seeking after. And not usually getting all of them. Right? All the stuff people are working themselves silly. And worrying themselves to sickness about. And not getting. You're going to get. And it won't be out of intense effort and sweat. It'll be as you were seeking first the kingdom of God. He's adding them to you. Adding them to you. Adding them to you. Glory to God. You were busy trying to advance his work and advance his kingdom. And he added a house to you. You were busy. And he added cars and he added clothes. Money for your kids' education. And just added and added and added. How many can testify he has been doing that kind of thing for you? He's just been adding it to you. And and the more you work for him and the more you seek his stuff, the more he adds to you. Seek your own life and what will happen? Is it Bible? You'll lose it. But millions of Christians are doing exactly that. Aren't they? They're doing that. You know, they don't have time to come to church. They don't have time to come to meetings. They don't have time to read their chapters. Huh? They don't have any time to pray. Why? We're just so busy. We just, have you heard this? We're just so busy, Brother Keith. I'd like to be there. I'd like to come, but we're just so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy. I don't say that. I don't say that. Did you hear me? It's a bad confession. Confessing that you're overloaded. Confessing that you're so busy that you don't have time to get to everything. I know uh, years ago it seemed like I couldn't get to everything I needed to get to. And... I said something to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, it just seems like too much. <laughs> seems like I don't have time. And this is what he said to me. He said, son, I don't mean to hurt an audible voice now, but inside me. He said, son, if you don't have more than enough time to do what I'm telling you to do, you are wasting time. I thought, huh? Wasting time. Well, he's right. You know, every time. <laughs> every time he's right. And... I begin to look and examine, and this is what I found at that juncture of my life. I found I was doing a number of things 
that I thought I had to do that I shouldn't even have been doing. You have to watch with churches and ministries because everybody's got an idea about what you ought to do. Have you found that out? I don't know what to tell people to say, you know, Brother Keith, I just feel like you should do this. I feel led that the church should do this. I feel led that you should. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something's already sounds funny. You feel led that I should do something. <laughs> and you notice these people that's always talking like that. They're never led to do anything themselves. It's always they feel led that you should do. <laughs> Have you noticed that? And what happens is ministers out of, you know, they begin yielding to people and, well, boy, this is a need. Pastor, I just feel like this is a need and we should be doing something about this. Well, it is a need. So they start a program for that. Somebody says, I just feel led that we should do this. So they do that. And, you know, I believe we should do this. You should let us do this. So they do that. And so they got 89 programs. Hmm? And then they want them to make decisions on all of them. And where's money for all of them? Did you hear me now? And 83 of them, the Lord never told you to do. And that's how people get spread out so thin and fatigued. I know when we first started the church, some of the folks didn't understand me. And some people left. Over this, some people came and they said, you know, would you let us do this? And I said, no. And they said, well, later, a few days later, you know, could we do this? I said, no. And they said, well, how about if we did this? I said, no. Well, surely you're going to let us do this? I said, no. Nope, sorry, no. (laughs) Well, we're going to leave. Well, I'm sorry. And so they left. But what they didn't know as I had heard from the Lord just a month before, and he spoke to me very straightly and strictly. He asked me a question one morning. Because I'm new to pastoring, you know, never done it before. And he's instructed, I'm asking him to help me on it, show me what to do. And he said, uh, Keith, if you're always yielding to other people in the church, who's leading this? Amen. I said, well... I guess it wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted them to lead it, I'd have put them there. And you will stand before me and give an account of which way the church went and what it did and what it didn't do. And it's not going to cut it for you to say, well, yeah, but Lord, you know, they all wanted to do this. and I didn't want to make them mad. And I thought I'd run them off. And that's not going to mean a thing. This is true with heads of homes. Heads of families, heads of churches, heads of businesses. So you have to watch about being led by what people think, what people say they need or want. Don't be led by needs. Don't be led by opportunities. Did you hear me now? Don't be led by desires. Be led by the Spirit. Well, this is a big need. There are lots of needs. 
you alone will never be able to address all the needs. But there's something the Lord wants you to do. And you want to do that and give your full strength and ability to that and not be distracted and diluted by a bunch of other things that's a needful or a good thing or somebody thinks you ought to do. Did y'all hear me now? If you are constantly fatigued and worn and running and coming up short on resources, you need to get quiet. You need to pull aside and get quiet and lay all your stuff out in front of you and ask yourself real honestly, what did the Lord tell me to do of this stuff? And what did we just start and do? And be willing to cut some things off. Hmm? Is that okay? You need to. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God. His righteousness. When you do that, is something going to happen for you? Huh? Increase? What's going to happen? All these things. 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 I've heard people say, I just don't believe God's interested in things. Well, you think wrong. Can you read? All these things shall be added to you. Would you go please to uh, the book of uh, Philippians, the second chapter? We're going to Philippians, second chapter, and then we'll be going, I think, over to Ephesians. In Philippians chapter 2, in the first verse, he said, uh, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. This is God talking to us. That you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Does it matter to the Lord that we get along and that we have some unity and are like-minded? Is it okay with him that we are splintered? And separated and divided and don't fellowship with each other. Is that okay with him? It's not okay. I'm telling you, we, we've operated that way for centuries, but it's never been okay with him. And I just got it in my heart to agree with God and believe with him for us coming together and getting together. Right? And I'm not talking about some do-gooder dream. I'm talking about it really happening. Can we agree with God? Can we hook up with His vision and His faith for us all being one? Now one thing that we'll have to do is get rid of our religious ideas about what that means. Or our personal ideas about what that means. And one reason a lot of people have failed in their efforts toward unity is because they tried to make something. They were thinking unity is something that God didn't say. Notice, fulfill my joy. The Lord says, he's speaking through Paul, but this is the Lord. Fulfill my joy. Does it give God joy when you and I get on the same page? And that page is his kingdom page. 
Same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Just hold your place there and go back to Ephesians. Let me, I think we'll go back and forth between these two passages. Ephesians 4. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, he said, verse 3. Well, verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Unity of what? The Spirit. You might want to write that down or imprint it in your mind. Unity of what? The Spirit. Unity of the Spirit. Now, let's don't try to make unity something God didn't say it is. And let's not try to unify people in something he didn't tell us to unify in. Unity of the flesh. Hmm? Spirit. Unity of the... If he told us to endeavor to keep this, should we? Should we put forth effort? To get this and keep this? Keep what? The unit. Everybody said out loud, Lord, Lord teach us, teach us how, how to keep, to keep the, unity the unity of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. We're, willing We're willing to pursue it, to, pursue it, to, endeavor, to endeavor, to keep it. To keep it. Show us, Show us how. how. Amen. Amen. In the bond of peace. How many like the sound of that? Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Does that sound good to you? Unity of the Spirit, peace. Verse 4. There is, how many? One body. And what? One Spirit, even as you're called in, one hope of your calling. Keep going. One Lord, what? One faith. So let's just stop right here. If anybody's born again, are they in this faith with us? So isn't it an insult to infer that they're not a faith person? There's been prejudice. And there's been this air of superiority. We know about authority in Christ. We know about healing. We know about speaking in tongues. We're faith people. And the implication is, you're not. If they're saved, they're faith people. Well, I know that, but you know, not real faith people. Yeah, real faith people. Everybody is at different levels of faith in their walk. And no need you thinking you've arrived in faith. We could set you beside some people in the earth right now. would make you look like Ned in the first reader. As far as faith was concerned. Right? So don't even compare yourself to somebody else and go, well, I'm a faith person and they're just a whatever. There's only one faith. One faith. Now the reason I'm taking my time on this is because 
These kind of things is what's keeping us apart. Isn't it? It's keeping denominations separated. Keeping churches and groups and preachers separated. Because they'll get in their pulpits and their churches and talk about the other ones. And call the name of their denomination. Huh? Anytime you're calling a denomination from your pulpit, you need to examine it real carefully. Why? And it better be something good you're saying. Everybody say mocking. You ever read in the scripture what the Bible says about mockers? And mocking? I mean, it's serious. Mockers don't come out well. Well, we're not to mock another church. It's too quiet in here. Y'all said you're going to help me with this now. We're not to mock anybody that you even remotely think might be preaching Jesus. Hmm? You're not to say anything about their group or their denomination in any, what's the word, speaking lightly of it. Are despising, are mocking. I'm telling you, it's displeasing to the Lord. They're his kids just as much as you or anybody else. He loves them just as much as you or anybody else. Mrs. Will, they've got a lot of error. (laughs) And you have none. Do you really believe that you are absolutely error free? And that everything you believe is 100% pure word of God. Well, people do. People like to imagine that they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a word man. (laughs) Uh, I've said this before. I don't know who would do it, who would be qualified to do it. Nobody on the earth, I don't think. But... It'd be nice if all the books and tapes and messages and DVDs and CDs had spiritual nutritional labels on them. Like your food at the grocery store and you could read and it says, you know, 20% uh, tradition. 5% unbelief. 8% personal opinion and theory. 20% filler. Oh, no, no, my preaching is 100% Word of God. Everything comes out of your mouth is 100% Word of God. Uh Uh-huh. You wish. Now, we all are to be growing and be open to examining ourselves and changing and growing up. But Paul, who had so much revelation and so much light, he said, we know in part. What does that mean? There's parts you don't know. And it's those parts you don't know that are the problem. And you can be wrong about some things and not even know it because of the parts you don't know. But God doesn't look at what you don't know. And he doesn't look at what the other parts of the body don't know. He looks, are you walking in the light that you have? And if a man or a woman is walking in all the light they have, what more can you do? 
And how do you know what light they have? You don't. You don't. Unity of the faith. In the bond of peace. There's one Lord. Verse 5. Help me with it now. Read it out loud. One Lord. And what? One faith. faith. What else? One baptism. baptism. And what else? One God and Father of all who is above all and what? Through all and what? You all is who? He keeps saying all, all, all. What? The whole family of God. The whole body of Christ in the heaven and in the earth. Under every banner, under every denominational name. Speaking every language and every culture. Everybody. Because the Lord knows those that are his. And it is the same Lord. Same. Same call. Same faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Unity of the Spirit, he said. Now go back to Philippians. Well, I wasn't through with Ephesians. Excuse me. Go back to Ephesians, please. Ephesians 4. We're talking about getting together. We're talking about being one. What are we talking about? We've already got one phrase. Unity of what? Unity of the Spirit. Now verse 11, Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's bigger than your church, isn't it? What's the key to our increase and advancement? Seeking first the kingdom of God. Is your church the kingdom of God? Is our church the kingdom of God? No, we said before. They tell us there's over 2 billion believers on the planet right now. There's over 4.5 million churches. Just Christian churches we're talking about. Well, what would 1% of that be? 1% of 4.5 million is how much? 45,000 churches is 1%. How many churches are represented here? Wouldn't be a hundredth of a percent. Well, do we acknowledge the rest of the body of Christ? Thank you for those two amens. (laughs) Do we acknowledge that there's a whole great big body of Christ out there beside us? We're not it. We're a part of it. And thank God for that. But we're not the body. We're a part of the body. And see the problem has come is you've had group after group after group after group after group. Century after century said if you're not part of us you're not in. Some go so far to say is if you're not part of our church, you ain't saved, you ain't going to hell. Others don't go that far, but they will say if you're not part of us, you ain't right. You can't live right. You ain't going to have no victory. Hmm? You don't know anything. 
Again and again, it is ugly, stinking pride. And it is believing lies. Isn't it? We are not smarter or better intrinsically or any other way than other parts of the body. Hmm? Are you with me? No. The Bible said, in fact, uh, turn to a new verse. Hold your place there in Ephesians. I'm not done. But go to 1 Corinthians 12. We refer to this chapter as the chapter on the gifts of the Spirit. But did you know there's much more in this chapter about the body of Christ than about the gifts? But it's not a contradiction because where do the gifts manifest? Through the body. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, keep hearing that word one, don't you? One, one body, one body. Body is one. And one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. We just got through reading over there a moment ago. It said there's one baptism. And oh man. People say, well, which one is that? Which one is the one? And usually they're thinking about water baptism. And it's not even what he's talking about. Hebrews talks about the doctrine of baptisms, uh, plural. There are more than one baptism. This is the baptism that he's talking about right here, being baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's the new birth. And being baptized in water, which doesn't save anybody, did you hear me, is an outward confession. An identification with Christ to the public and to your family of what has already happened. Are you with me now? On the inside. And you should be baptized in water. But there's not a special formula of water baptism that saves. Did you hear me? Now, you, did you know large wars have been fought over this? And it is design of the enemy to separate. And his bigger thing is to keep unbelievers out. Because when unbelievers see believers fighting and hating one another, they stay away. And Jesus said it would be by this that all men would know that we're his disciples, how we love each other. Now, keep reading here. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And we say, well, I just don't believe that now. I believe you've got to be baptized right or you ain't saved. <laughs> I believe you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name only. I believe you got to be, or somebody else says, I believe you got to be baptized in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Somebody says, I believe you got to do this motion when you're baptized. Well, I believe you got to be sprinkled. No, no, you got to be dunked. 
you ain't dunked, you're going to hell. Now, the reason I bring this up is because of this. He did not say unity of doctrine. Unity of doctrine will not be achieved in this life. For we only know in part. And throughout our life, we're only going to know in part. And this group knows this part and don't know other parts. This group knows another part, but not those parts. All of us have these gaping holes of what we don't know. So we are not going to all get together doctrinally. Not now, not next year, not next century. Did you hear me? But we don't have to. I said we don't have to. Just take this local church. Do you, would you imagine that everybody that comes to this church and calls this church their church, that we all agree on every point of what we think and believe? Certainly not. No. But we don't have to. I said we don't have to. We don't have to. If we won't make our differences points of contention and push them. Are you with me now? Push them till we're separated and mad and divided about it. Can you see one thing that's allowing this church to function and every other church that's functioning and staying together is some tolerance, some long-suffering, some forbearance, some kindness, and a good old dose of humility and sense to acknowledge you ain't right about everything either. You don't know everything. Right? This is the thing. If we can get past the whole body of Christ could fellowship together. Just like a local church full of people could fellowship together. All the groups and denominations. Now I know when I said that people said, preacher, you're dreaming. You are dreaming. All the denominations are never getting together. Tell God that. It's his dream. I said it's his dream. And it's Jesus' prayer. That they'd all be one even as he and the Father are one. And he has the faith. And I just believe if he can believe for it. (laughs) He's got the faith. But it will not come through perfection of doctrine. Didn't say unity of doctrine. Unity of what? Unity of the, the same spirit. We all have the same Holy Ghost. Everybody that's really saved, we've all got the one, the same Holy Ghost. The Baptists have the same Spirit that the Pentecostals have. Amen. 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 Well, I just don't believe that. They don't talk in tongues. Well, they do. 
I said, they have, some of them do talk in tongues, but uh, they, if you're born again, you have the Spirit. Hmm? But now, what I was saying a moment ago, unity of what? The Spirit. What you see, you can tell somebody's spirit by how adamant they are about these kind of things. And you'll see people get hard. And they go, ah, now bless God, you have to be baptized like this or you're lost. Ah. Huh? That's not love. It's not grace. It's not mercy. It's not peace. It's not the spirit. Pay more attention to a man's spirit than his doctrine. Look more to a woman's spirit than her mind or understanding or doctrine. Now, I don't mean to say doctrine's not important. It is important. But we all know in part, like we've said. Thank you, Lord. Keep reading. Now, I know some of the things might be more fun tonight. But I believe this is important to our Father God. There's nothing He cares more about than his kids. Us. But all his kids. And it bothers him. I know that's a big statement. To say something bothers God. But it's true. It bothers him. When we don't get along. Can you hear that in Philippians. We read a few minutes ago. He said God said. Would you fulfill my joy. Would you make me happy. Hmm. What? And be like-minded and get together and love each other and, and be gracious. Would you? Yes. Would you? Yes. He's asking us to do something for him. I know uh, years ago, we were in a big conference. And uh, Brother Hagen called on me to come up and do something in the service. And, and I did. And went a direction. It seemed to go Okay. He seemed to be happy with it. And a few, I don't know, weeks, month later, I got a, a letter, ugly gram, <laughs> from some people. And they just really took me to task about it and told me I didn't have any right to say or do some things. I said some things about ministry, and they really just let me have it. And I knew them, and they knew me, and it annoyed me. Now, the first thing I thought was, it wasn't your meeting. Hmm? It was Brother Hagin. He had the oversight of it. Right? And I'm not your servant. I'm serving him. So we got too many people that think they have a right to correct each other. Are you with me now? It wasn't their meeting. And if he's pleased with me, what's it to them? They're a guest at his meeting. We have so much ignorance in these areas. 
you got the youngers trying to correct their elders. Don't even know they're not supposed to. We have lost so much in the last two or three generations. And that first thing came to my mind. I thought, well, now hold up here. What? I'm helping him. He didn't say anything to me about it. He didn't say anything. If he'd have corrected me, I, you know, it's his meeting. And so it annoyed me. And uh, the Lord said, I prayed about it after I was annoyed for a few days. <laughs> like you ain't never done anything like that. <laughs> and the Lord, uh, he spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to write them and apologize. That's what I said. I said, I said what? Apart for what? For what? I, Lord, did not not do what you told me to do. I thought I was doing what you directed me to do in the service. You want me to write and apologize for what? For obeying you? So I'm getting spiritual on him here. I should have been asking questions. Yes. 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 And he spoke to my heart. He said, uh, are you confident, even if you're doing what I told you to do, that you delivered it with perfect love and perfect grace and faith? Could you have done it any better? Could you have delivered it any differently that might not have been as offensive? Well, he's got me thinking now. I thought, well, God. <laughs> uh, somebody said, well, the Holy Ghost told me to do it. Well, maybe he did. But your delivery could have been so ungodly. Huh? I mean, you can have uh, the finest meal money can buy. But when you serve it on a, a dirty garbage can lid, <laughs> people tend to go, <laughs> yeah, but it's good food. It's the finest food. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't want to eat it off of that garbage can lid. So you got what God gives in the vessel, but then you got the vessel. You got the water in the cup, but people have to drink from the cup. And uh, I said, yes, sir. I'm, I know, you know, I'm growing. I know there's all kinds of things I don't know. I, I'm sure I could have done it better. I'm sure of that. He said, well, that's not the main thing. He said, uh, if, now are you listening with me right now? He said, if you respond the wrong way, he said, uh, if you, he said, you can go to Brother Hagin and you can say, did you have any problem with that? And if he says no, you can say, well, I don't understand why they're uh, calling me to task about it. It's not their right anyway. And he said, and what if? Your leaders take your side and defend you, and a rift is made. And then what if they talk and other people feel the same way they do, 
And they decide they ain't going to go to the meetings because they don't like the way that happened. And then somebody else says, well, why are they acting so stupid like that? And so they don't fellowship with them. He said, you can, you are in the position to stop this right now before it ever gets started by just apologizing. <laughs> and then, and this was the censure. He said, would you do it for me? Would you do it? I said, yes, Lord. Yes, I'd be glad to do it for you. Tell me how to say it. Show me how to say it. So I sat down and I tried to write a letter. And I said, you know, I I felt like I shared something that the Lord put on my heart. But I'm learning. I could have said it the wrong way. And if I came across in a way that's offensive, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. We love y'all, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the end of it. No more. Nothing. Nothing. We fellowship, and everybody fellowship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. How many times that could be the case? Yes. Things could be stopped. They could just be crushed and stopped, and the enemy shut down yes. before it ever got started yes. and ever got, you know, to rolling. Yes. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, you know, that strife is like when water starts coming out of a dam. Is that right? Remember reading that? It's like when a little leak starts springing. And if you're dumb, you know what you'll do? You'll go, look, there's a hole. Look, everybody, there's a hole. Look how deep it is. There's a hole. Oh, look, it's bigger now. There's a hole. Look, it's a hole. (laughs) Now, I know that sounds ignorant, but that's what people do. They point to the problem and the leak and they poke it and they talk about it and they poke it and they talk about it and they get together after the service and they poke it and they poke it and they poke it and next thing you know, this thing is just, and when the dam breaks, you got a mess now. You, I mean, it's going to take a miracle to get this thing back together now. When all you'd have had to do was go seal it. And not aggravate it. Now this works real fine on marriages too. Doesn't it? (laughs) Let's pursue this a little bit further. Can you take some more? Uh, Go to Proverbs please. Unity of the Spirit. The Spirit. Go to Proverbs 30, please. Proverbs 30. Uh, Back up to 17. Let me get you a couple more. We'll just not rush this. Proverbs 17. What is the New Testament commandment? Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. What does love do? Love... Suffers long hmm? and is kind. Is that true? Proverbs 17 and 19. 17, 19. He loves transgression that loves strife. Did you know there are people who like to fight? They do. There are preachers that like to argue. 
You ever noticed it? I've met several of them. They'd much rather argue than sit down and have peace. They'll bring stuff up that they know people disagree on. This is devilish. I'm talking about tongue-talking preachers. I've been in situations before where myself and several other ministers are sitting at a table. We're having a meal. Everything's going good. And these are people that normally are not together. And see a man bring up stuff during the meal that he knew these guys believe completely opposite on. Bring it up and see what's going to happen now. And you can tell it just gets quiet and things get tense. And now this thing has been made a focal point. And prior to this, nobody was thinking about it. This preacher, man or woman, in this case, has now been used as an instrument of the enemy. I don't care who you are. Did you know you can yield to the Holy Ghost in the morning and yield to the devil that afternoon? I'm talking about people saved, people, tongue talkers, faith people. Don't care who you are. How many remember Peter? Jesus said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He said, you're the son of God. You're the Christ. He said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. The Father God revealed that to you. Is he yielding to the Holy Ghost? He's speaking that revelation. I mean, same chapter. A few verses later, he's telling about how he's going to the cross. Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. He says, no, Lord, no, this is not supposed to be to you. That's the day. And he said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You can yield to the Lord. You can yield to the enemy. But this is devilish. This liking to fight and liking to argue and pushing things and bringing things up that you know is a tender subject. It's letting the devil use you. It is not okay. We're peacemakers. Huh? Did you know that one of the things that the Bible said God hates is he that sows discord among the brethren? The Bible said God hates it. Man, then let me be far from it then. How about you? Don't say everything that comes across your mind. Hmm? Think about, well, if I say that, how's it going to affect the room? How's it going to affect the conversation? What will people think about? And then what's going to happen next? Have some wisdom. But if you're never stopping before you're talking, you've already said it. Right? And then you figure out, oh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Well, it's too late. You've already yielded to the enemy and now people are thinking about the wrong things. Hmm? He who loves a quarrel loves sin, NIV said. The Living Bible said, sinners love to fight. Not me. Say, not me. me. Proverbs 20, verse 3. Can you take some more? Hmm? Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling 
The English version says, any fool can start arguments. The honorable thing is to stay out of them. Any fool can start a fight. Takes no skill, no grace, no wisdom. But it's wonderful when a man or a woman has enough wisdom and understanding and grace to be in a situation where something starts going the wrong way and they can help get it back. And help get it calmed down and get people's mind off of that and get focused on the right thing and avoid something. Stop it before it breaks out. That is an accomplishment. Hallelujah. Go with me on over then to Proverbs 30. Now this is an area that if you can see it and act on it, I'm telling you, it will, it will just stop strife. From being in your house and in your relationships. You'll know how to stop it before it ever gets started. How many like the idea of shutting the devil down before he ever gets going? Just shutting him down before it ever gets started. Well, you'll have to control your mind and most importantly your mouth. Proverbs 30 and 32. 30 and 32. If you have done foolishly. In lifting up yourself. Or if you have thought evil. What do you do? Shut my mouth. What do you do? Everybody do this. Lay your hand on your mouth. Is that what he said? Go. If what? If you have got to thinking wrong about yourself. Or you thought something was bad. What's the first thing you do? Don't. Say it. Hmm? Verse 33. Surely the churning of milk brings forth butter. And the ringing of the nose (laughs) brings forth blood. Anybody believe that? So what? The forcing of wrath or anger is going to what? It's going to bring forth, it's going to gender, it's going to produce strife. What produces strife? The forcing of anger. You just keep churning that milk. Hmm? You're going to make some butter. I grab Mo's nose and just keep wringing it. Just keep ringing his nose, ringing his nose. <laughs> it's going to hurt. <laughs> and it's going to bleed. And if I just keep ringing him, he's going to have blood all over his shirt and all over his nice jacket. Why? Why? No, I mean, if I just twisted his nose a time or two. But you just keep ringing. You just... Oh, yeah, did you hear these words? Pushing it. You hear forcing of wrath, pushing it. Somebody say pushing it. Just keep pushing it. Just keep pushing it. Won't leave it alone. You know they don't want to hear it. You know they don't agree. You know they don't believe it, but you won't leave it alone. You just got to keep pushing it. Just got to keep on. Got to keep bringing it up. You know it's a sore subject. Hmm? But no! (laughs) You got to have your say. 
And so you just keep saying it. And you just keep pushing it. And you just keep saying it. Huh? And you can tell the room's done got quiet and people are moving away from you. But no, no. You're on a mission from hell. I'm talking about Christians. <laughs> Just keep pushing it. Just keep pushing it. Go to the 26th chapter of Proverbs. Have I digressed? Why are churches unable to get along? Hmm? Denominations. Why? Because you got people, and sadly you got people in leadership positions that like to fight. They do. Ungodly. They like to argue. They plan to argue. They sit around in their office and imagine how they can shut the other one down and make them look bad. And prove to them how ignorant and wrong they are. Ugly. I said ugly. Ugly. If you embarrass a man or a woman and make them look bad, what have you done? What have you done? You hurt your brother. You didn't have any victory. Hmm? You made them look bad? Love covers the multitude. Love covers. Not exploits. Not lays bare. Not shows everybody their faults and their failures. Every time I think about that, I think about Noah. When he got drunk. And he's uncovered in his tent. He's out of it, naked. And one of his sons came and saw it. What did he do? Ran and told everybody. Daddy's drunk. Daddy's drunk. He's naked in the tent. Daddy's drunk. He's naked in the tent. Told somebody, you know daddy's drunk? Daddy's drunk. He's naked in the tent. (laughs) What, 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 what? And see, people who are of like minds, they want to know. What, 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 what was it? What was it? Daddy's drunk. Oh, no. Daddy's drunk. He's drunk. How drunk is he? He's, <laughs> he's drunk. He fell off the bed and he ain't got no clothes. No clothes? How many clothes he got on? I don't think he's got no clothes on. Daddy's drunk. He ain't got no clothes. The Bible talks about that gossip is like tasty little morsels. And you see people who like to gossip and they hear a little wind about something. They go, oh, what was that? What was that? I got a little taste. Tell, tell me the rest. What was it? Come on now. Sit down here. You got time? Tell me the whole thing. You know, so we can pray. <laughs> so we can pray about it. No, no, no. But his other boys, do you remember what they did? His other boys, remember what they did? They went and got uh, some kind of cover or robe or whatever. And they got it 
by the four corners. And they backed in where they wouldn't see their dad in this condition. This is honor. Oh, come on now, God. This is honor. This is love. This is respect. Why? You don't run around and exploit somebody's failure when you love them. You don't do that to people you love. You don't make people look bad. I don't care if they did mess up. You don't want them to look bad. Right? Now, you don't lie for them, but you don't exploit it. You don't bring it up, you don't have to. Hmm? And they walked backwards, and they lowered that over their father, and they covered him up, and then what they do? They walked out, and let him sleep it off, and until he can get composed and they can see him and talk about it. I know of some things that happened with a minister that was very widely known and he was hurting in a bad way and the media was trying to get this other minister who was well known to talk about the situation and what do you think about all this and da 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 and I thought he I liked his answer. He said uh he said, Sir, that's family business. And I got nothing to say. And this man wasn't a part of his particular group, but if they're born again, they're family. Right? They're family. They're family. And if you love people, you do not exploit and broadcast and tell their failures and faults. You cover the multitude of sins. And if you care about people, you don't push things. And push them. And push them. The Bible says only by pride comes contention. Why do people push it like that? Because they care more about me being right. And everybody knows that I'm right. And proving that I'm right. Than anything else. They care more about me being right. Than they care about that other person. Love. We'll let somebody think I'm wrong. Even if you're right. If it'll help somebody. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 26. Did you go there? I know. uh, When I was teaching in healing school. Something stuck with me on that. I'd been there for years. And I was... uh, Teaching the classes and sometimes teaching, you know, four or five times a day. Healing school was the last thing I taught. And this particular day, I got up that morning and I, man, my stomach felt like World War Three. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, just, and I got classes and I got prayer school and I got a full day. And I got up and I felt like I'm just going to throw up. I felt like I need to lay back down. But I've learned some things about faith. There's times to push and there's times not to. And, and I knew this is a time to, to go. I got ready and I went. And I'd get up and start my class and the anointing would come on me. And I felt just pretty good. And I'd go and I'd make it through. And I'd notice a little nausea in between the classes. But I'd go again and go again and go again. And went home for lunch. Phyllis was there and she saw I looked real pale and I'm hitting the water. I'm just drinking. I felt dehydrated. And she said, I don't think you ought to drink all that water. 
So I drank more water. <laughs> and I probably should have listened. But, you know, I was so thirsty and I, I didn't pay attention. And, I, and uh, I drank all this water and then I go back to uh, healing school. And I, I stand up and start to pray. And I mean, before I could shut my mouth, I threw up. I'm standing in the pulpit at healing school. <laughs> and I just started to say a word. And I mean, before I could even hardly say my word, I just threw up all over the pulpit, all over myself. <laughs> and not one of my finest moments. But, <laughs> but what I, reason I even bring it up is my ushers. They were on top of me faster than you could blink your eyes. They took their jackets off and they throwed it over the, the throw up and, and they, three of them got me and they're carrying me and one of them's got something up under me. And why? They didn't want me to look bad in front of the people. That's love. Are you with me now? And, uh, we got outside, and I said, help me get to the restroom here. And I, they did. They said, what do we do, brother? I guess, uh, Dwayne, you were there that day, weren't you? Yeah, he was on the organ, and I told Dwayne to sing and didn't know that he didn't usually sing. <laughs> is that right? I'm, is that, but he sang. <laughs> I said, Dwayne, sing. And he knew something needed to happen, so he, he sang. And I said, guys, I said, uh, so I said, what do we do, Brother Keith? I said, just tell them to sing. Go get my clean shirt out of my office. I'll tell them I'll be back in a minute. And uh, we did, cleaned up a little bit and put my shirt on. They just sang and sang. And I came back and we talked about how to deal with symptoms. <laughs> but uh, when you love people, if they look bad, it hurts you. Right? And if you get pleasure out of somebody looking bad, that's devilish. I said, that's devilish. You want them to look bad because you think it makes you look superior. That's like a man ain't even saved. Right? Ungodly. Proverbs 26. 20. 2620. Where no wood is, what happens? Fire goes out. Where there's no tail bearer, strife ceases. The margin says whisperer. Whisperer. Somebody say whisperer. What's a whisperer? Hey, psst, come over here. I need to tell you something. Come over here. Psst, 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 psst. Huddlers. Huddlers. Psst, psst, come over here. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. Privately. Privately. And if you're not smart, you go, what? <laughs> tell me all. Uh, tell me every, Don't leave out anything. Tell me about everything. No, they didn't. You got to be kidding me. This is ungodly. Hmm? 
If somebody has messed up, if somebody's hurting, the first thing you ought to think is, oh, no. God. Well, no, you've told me enough. That's, I, I got it. Hush. No. Lord, have mercy on them. What can we do? Hmm? What can we do to help them get past this? Get over this. And they don't have to be in your denomination. Hmm? They don't have to be in your state. They don't have to be in your continent. They don't have to speak your language. Right? If they're a believer, they're part of you. You're part of them. Right? He went on to say, verse 21, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The English version says charcoal keeps the embers glowing. Wood keeps the fire burning. And troublemakers keep arguments alive. You've seen it. The fire's going out. And somebody takes the poker and go in there and stir it up. Right? Stir the coals up. Get the thing burning again. And how many times an argument was dying down. People were getting away from it. People were forgetting about it. They were letting it go. And here comes somebody. Christian. Sent of the devil. And stir it up. Stir it. And here it comes all back up again. Somebody said, not me. Not me. Not me. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. I think I can close at some point here. You know, Paul writing to the Philippians, he said, finally, brethren, chapter 2. <laughs> He's only halfway. <laughs> so preachers were scriptural on that, I guess. So finally, brethren, that, what does that mean? Not too much. <laughs> Could mean you're half through. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12, we read it before. The body is one. All the members of the one body being many are one body. Somebody say one body. One body. One body. body. Do you love them all? Come on, that's a little weak. Do you love all the believers? Most of them you won't even meet in this lifetime. But they're your brothers, they're your sisters. We're family forever. Forever. They don't have to think like you to love God. Don't have to act like you. Don't have to have your ways to love God. Unity of the Spirit. And then later in that same chapter, he talked about the unity of faith. We're not all going to get on the same page doctrinally. But we don't have to. I know a brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, my father in the faith. He used to talk about, oh, what was the couple that he and mom enjoyed being with so much? Good ones. The good ones that they enjoyed fellowshipping with so much. And he said, uh, sometimes they'd drive hundreds of miles out of the way just to spend an evening with them because they enjoyed their company so much. And usually they'd wind up with the ladies doing something and the men sitting down talking. And he said they would 
take different points on doctrines and talk about them. Opposing points. And he said, Brother Goodwin, there's some things he did not believe like he did about some things. And vice versa. He said, but they'd talk about it. And he says, sometimes then they'd swap. <laughs> he said, now you take that point and I'll take this one. <laughs> and they'd talk about different sides of the doctrine. And when they got through, did not agree. But loved each other. Hallelujah. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? You say, well, I don't believe like you do. Okay, okay, okay. There's some things essential. We have to believe Jesus is Lord. We have to believe that, right? We have to believe we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have to believe that, right? But there's a whole lot of things. It might cost you if you believe wrong about it, but you'll still be saved. Right? Right? Right. And just because you push and become belligerent, not going to make somebody receive it. And winds up y'all got separated and you pushed them away and they still don't believe it. What have you accomplished? Nothing happened. Nobody changed what they believe, except now you don't fellowship. What profit is that? What benefit is that? Let's have the discernment to see. When something is no longer profitable. Talking about it is just not profitable. And no matter what the points of disagreement might be. The main thing is that we want to let each other know. I love you. No matter. Hmm? Well I don't believe in healing. I don't believe that healing is God's will for everybody. You don't have to believe that to be saved. I don't believe in talking in tongues. I don't believe that's for today. You don't have to believe that to be saved. I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe it's God's will for everybody to be prosperous. You don't have to believe that to be saved. So why push it? Why push it with people to the point that you no longer fellowship? There's been some people that I've had fellowship with over a period of decades. And they made it plain in those uncertain terms that they did not agree with me. or believe with me about some stuff. And I said, okay. But we still talked and fellowship. And over 20 years, they came and asked me about it. Yeah. And now, Keith, I know you've always believed this. And I know I said, you know, I didn't believe that. But I've seen how God's blessed you. And I just, you know, some things you may think it ain't that big of a deal if you believe in it until you have a need. In that area. Yeah, right. I don't believe in miracles. Well you wait till you need one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some things can change. But that ain't when you jump up on your high horse and go. I told you. I tried to tell you 20 years ago. But no. You wouldn't listen. <laughs> should listen to me. Just like there's some stuff you didn't listen to 20 years ago. Hear me, all of us have got areas that we could be so much further down the road in if we'd have paid attention. I mean, you could say it about any one of us. But if you'll just, there are times when people don't want to hear it. And they don't want to hear it from you particularly. Anybody but you. And so if you're smart, you'll shut up about that with them. How many remember the Bible said in Peter 
that there were cases where the husband wouldn't be won by the word, but by the chaste conversation or lifestyle, that word means, of his wife. What does that mean? Watching her love God and serve God every day and every night got to him when preaching didn't, when he didn't want to hear it. Well, the principle is true with all of us. Just live it. Hmm? There comes a time when people don't want to hear it, but that's okay. Don't push it. Just live it. Let people see you get healed again and again and again. Let them see you get prosperous. Let them see what, just, and don't say a word about it. And if they say, well, I noticed some good things, you go, yep, praise God. God is so good to me. Don't take it. Don't make an opportunity to jump and make an issue out of it. Just go, yeah, yeah, God's so good. And if in the process of time they come and want to talk about it and ask you, well, now the door's open. But you should be very gracious. And you should say, well, brother, you know, I didn't see it myself for years. I thought some of the same things you did. But God helped me and showed me this and had to tell me 93 times. And finally I got it, you know. (laughs) So don't feel bad. Right? And be gracious. And be kind. And love. He said, verse 18, Now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they're all one member, where's the body? Now there are many members, and yet just one body. He said, verse 24, Our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, giving more abundant honor to the part that lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, Did you get that? What's that word? What does your your margin have for that? Division. What's God's will? No division in the body. Now it's splintered up. It's divided up like what? But it's God's will always has been his will that there be no division. That doesn't mean we can't be in different tribes. Hmm? We are. We're different families and we're different tribes, but nothing separating us. No division. That, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And when one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members. In particular. Am I the body of Christ? Well I'm a member. And all of us together. Is the body. Do you love the body? If you do. When one hurts. You hurt. When one's blessed. You're not envious. You rejoice. You're glad it happened to them. Stand on your feet. Glory be to God. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.